Hey, welcome back to the Something to Bless podcast with me, your host, Barbara Gian at barbaragian.com. I'm so glad that you're here with me today because guys, I have a special, special treat for you. This has been a long anticipated uh, interview that I have been looking forward to for quite some time. Today, I am bringing you Kelly Cardenas. And if you don't know, now you know. And once you hear him, you're really going to know. So Kelly is a, he's a force to be reckoned with in the space of personal development and entrepreneurship. He's the host of a top ranked podcast, the Kelly Cardenas podcast. He is a top stylist and salon owner, author, speaker, and devoted husband and father, which probably is what I admire most about him. But I love our conversation because this guy just has so much wisdom to share with all of us. And he's street. So, you know, anybody from the hood is good. And when they're down for the Lord, move out the way. This guy is, he's all about it. So you are going to love this conversation. It's a long one. I didn't realize how long it actually was because, well, let me tell you about this briefly before we jump in. I reached out to him and I asked him to if he would be a guest on my podcast and he quickly said yes. I had a feeling he would. He's just that kind of guy and I just felt like it would be a yes. So it was. And so he invites me to his studio to record. I go um, and we and I don't have like any tracking of time. I'm a little bit nervous. I've never done a face to face interview, which I'm okay with. I just haven't done it before. Uh, so anyhow. I had no concept of time and it went a little bit longer than I normally do. So this might be a two, three, four part uh, episode for some of you, but you're going to enjoy every minute of it. I promise you. I forgot in my brain fog and just lack of thinking to have him share where you can find him. So I have put all of his contact information in the description, in the notes. You can find him there, follow along. And he's such an amazing person to follow on social media. Uh, YouTube and Instagram are two big places that you're going to want to go and stalk them like I do, guys. All right. I'm going to just let you guys in on our conversation with Kelly Cardenas. Here you go. All right. Well, thank you for joining the Something to Bless podcast in your studio. (laughs) (laughs) I asked you to be a guest and you told me to come here. So thank you. It's, it's an honor. It's an honor to be able to uh, be here. And I just thought it would be cool to be able to be in person. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, I'm so grateful. And I feel like I should put on uh, the theme song. There's a, put some respect on my name, right? <laughs> Being in the studio. <laughs> okay. Normally when I have a guest, I always pass the mic because I want to know about you and I want to share you with my audience, but I have to give you the backstory and for the listeners too. So it was, I think 2019 around there. And I heard you on Patrice Washington's podcast. Mm. And I got my earbuds in and I'm taking a walk like I normally do in the morning. And I'm walking along and I'm just like feeling everything you're saying. I'm like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. And next thing you know, you say, you're talking about your salons and you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm right here in Carlsbad. And I'm walking in Carlsbad at this very moment, right? And I stopped dead in my tracks. And I'm like, I'm here in Carlsbad right now. I'm going to find this guy and his salon. And I do. I book an appointment. Like, I didn't even need a haircut. But uh-huh. I booked an appointment. You know, you, I think your haircuts were 7000 8000 <laughs> around there. A little bit too much for me. 
And so I had to go to the, the stylist that was available, right, at my, at my price. And so I booked it, and I came in and got my haircut. I loved my haircut. Uh, got to meet you. You happened to be here in the salon. Uh -huh. And, oh, I got, I got your book that day, too. Read it, loved it. And I, th yeah, it was 2019 because several months later when I was due for another haircut, it was COVID. Uh -huh. And I was just crossing my fingers and hoping that somebody would answer the phone and be here. I call, no answer. I leave a voicemail, no return call. And I'm just guessing, like, it's COVID. Everybody's shut down, right? There's no way. So time goes on, whatever. Fast forward to now, and I'm at a women's Bible study group. I go to it every week. And this one day, there's a girl sitting at our table, and I, we meet, and I go home. And within that next two weeks, God has been revealing some things to me, right, about my my future and, and the call on my life. And one of the things he's put on my heart is he wants me to speak. He's been revealing this to me for a couple of years. And I just, I joined Toastmasters. I'm like, okay, I'll join Toastmasters, right? That's the extent. So anyhow, all these things are going through my mind, like a lot more than usual. And I get another download, Kelly Cardenas, like as a mentor or somebody to look to, your name just pops into my head. And so I'm just sitting in bed thinking like, what? That's so, not completely random because I follow you. I love following you. I look to you. I love everything you do. But I'm just like, that's weird. Okay, so your name's in my, in my head spinning. And I'm just thinking back to like, oh, yeah, I went to the salon and I got my hair cut. And the girl that did it, you know, whatever, I lost her. She was so good. And long story short, it was Bianca. Uh -huh. I'm sure you remember. Oh, of course. <laughs> She's incredible. She was the girl I met just just right before this all was happening. And I'm like, Bianca. It was Bian that, the same Bianca at my small group uh, at church was the Bianca that cut my hair here. And I know she is doing her, her own thing. and yeah. She's doing amazing. But I just thought it was crazy how it all came together. And so anyway, reached out to you. You were like, let's do this uh, for the podcast. So I am just so excited, so <laughs> grateful. Also, one more thing. Yeah. Um, when I did meet you, or when I did hear your podcast, I was teaching 10th grade English. Okay. And I would always give like a word of the day as a starter before we got into our lesson. And I remember hearing about vibe manipulation. And I was like, the word or term of the day is vibe manipulation. And we, I just was so excited about it. So I want to start there. You've got to <laughs> tell all of us about vibe, vibe manipulation, all <laughs> Well, I think uh, vibe, vibe was good. Everyone loved that. When I said manipulation, then everyone took it as a negative. And it's actually not a negative. Uh, manipulation is just uh, moving things in your favor. And I think a lot of times people react to the type of vibe that's in the room as opposed to creating it. And there's a way to be able to construct it. And it's the, the missing ingredient for me. It's the missing ingredient that changes everything. Like the difference between your product offering um, your service, whatever it is, is not the offering. It's not the features and benefits. It's not because it's better than the other one. It's the way that people feel about your product. Mm -hmm. And that's the vibe. Yeah. And it's the one thing that changes everything, but it's the one thing that no one focuses on. And very few people know how to construct it. So that's what I tapped into and really focused in. And that's all I, like, literally, that's all I focus on now is how can I 
manipulate the vibe? How can I shift the vibe into something that I want? If I want it to be happy, what words can I give to someone? What kind of life can I speak to them that would make them happy? And we talked about it the other day when you came for the mini secret knock. Um, there's many ways to do it. Um, music can do it. The way that you, uh, you know, smell can do it. Um, the sight of something can do it. And those things coupled together, it's things that the Four Seasons does, that Riz Carlton does. All those things are on purpose, but most of the time for us, in our business, in our lives, we try and lay into the features of benefits as opposed to, let's just look at how the people feel when they touch our stuff, right? When they touch our product, how do they feel? And if we can shift that, we can shift everything. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I knew that that word manipulation kind of had a negative connotation <laughs> for a lot of people, right? But I got it right away because right you just it just means adjusting things in a way that is conducive to how you want to feel, mm -hmm. right? And all the things that you just mentioned. And I even remember when you did Patrice's show, you're like, yeah, I had a juice this morning. I worked out. I, you know, I played the right music. I'm, <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm ready. Let's go. The vibe is set, right? And I'm all about vibe. Like how many times do you walk into a restaurant where it's like, it's a vibe kill because there's no music. It's poor lighting. Mm -hmm. It just, it's not a place you want to visit again, right? Because of the way that it makes you feel. Absolutely. But on a day-to-day -day basis, it's so important to set your own vibe. Yes. From the beginning of the day. Do you do, what is your morning routine? Do you have a solid morning routine? No, it's, I, I switch it up all the time just yeah. because I find that um, I, I'm a person that a lot of times will make my routine my religion. And, and then I start worshiping the uh, routine. Oh. And this is where I find a lot of people fall and myself, I fall at it a ton. Um, so I, I allow my, my routine to be fluid, meaning that like this morning I woke up and, um, I got to snuggle with my wife for a little bit longer. It was cool. Cause I wanted to do that. Uh, there's a lot of times where I wake up and I run go to the beach early in the morning. So I see the sunrise and I get to write and read and, uh, and I'm there. And there was times where I wouldn't get to the beach and then I'd feel bad. And what my pops taught me, I, I called him one time and he was like, I said, Pops, I'm down. He said, why? I said, well, I haven't been to church in probably three, four weeks. He said, why are you down, boy? And I said, because I didn't go to church for three to four weeks. He said, well, uh, God doesn't live at church. And I was like, wait a second, because he had always taught me to go to church or whatever. And he said, God's not at church. He's where you are. And, and sometimes he'll have you have church at Starbucks. Sometimes he'll have you have church on your bike. Sometimes he'll have you have church on the beach. And sometimes he'll have you have church in that building. But you've got to stay in touch with him. And a personal relationship with him means that it's a relationship and not a religion. Because a religion is just a series of routines that we begin to rely on. Where God doesn't want us relying on that. He wants us looking to him. Because if you look at it, Moses didn't do the exact same things that Abraham did. And if he would have tried, it wouldn't have worked out because it wasn't for Abraham and it wasn't for Moses. And so making that relationship personal has been massive. Now, I'm not saying that these things work. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, um, so for me, it, really, if you look at it, like your vibe, it's three things, your heart set, your mindset, your skill set. Your heart set is your beliefs, your mindset is your intentions, and your skill set is your actions. And once you get those in line, when you find a person that their actions are in line with their intentions, are in line with their belief system, that person is congruent and you are attracted to them. Mm -hmm. When one of those is off, the vibe is off. You don't want to be around them because now their actions aren't in, uh, their intentions are off or their beliefs are off. 
then you start to think that person's taking advantage of me. I don't like, there's something about them that I just, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling the vibe. Well, the way to construct the vibe is to put those things in line. And once they're in line, like you become irresistible and people can't help but want to be a part of what it is that you're doing. And if you can take the, and it's, it's very, very simple. Like the, the belief system is what you hear, what you see here and become aware of through the senses from people who you value. Your intentions are what you allow in your sphere by choice. And your, uh, your actions are just you simply doing it and learning from your own mistakes. So when you get those, again, Barbara, you get those in line, it puts you in this place where it doesn't mean everything's going to go in your favor. But if you shift and your offering shifts, people still want to be a part of you, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And some people refer to it as personal brand, things like that. But I look at what powers the personal brand. The vibe, yeah. right? Because if you don't like the way that you feel around somebody, no matter how great they are and whatever the benefits are, you don't want to be around them. No. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's what attracts so many people to you and your brand is because you you are consistent with that. You are true to that, you, you know, you, that um, that core element you. of, of uh, your vibe and your authenticity and, and all the things. You mentioned a few things just now, but let's start with Pops because... Yeah. You talk so much about him and his influence in your life, his yeah. words of wisdom to you. And I was really sad because I didn't realize that he had passed. Uh, I saw a, a, a post you made, and it was in the past tense. And, mm -hmm. I, and I was just like, what? When did this happen? Like, what? <laughs> what's going on? But talk to us about your upbringing with him. Like, he just he fed you a lot while you grew up, right, I, yeah. is what I've heard. You mentioned a lot, on a lot of episodes mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I'm wisest man I ever met in my life, um, my best friend. Uh, but there was different sides to him. There was different facets. There was uh, there was dad. Um, and dad <laughs> wasn't the guy that I probably would want to hang out with. Um, growing up, you know, as a, a young kid, he was a, uh, he he didn't graduate from high school, but he was just by the sheer will he was going to make it happen. Um, he was a boxer. Um, he also dealt with a lot of abuses in his life, and and you know he was a young guy. He was only sixty eight when he passed two years ago, but. Um, you know, until he was like 14 years old, he didn't have hot running water and he's, he's an older guy. And so their, their family was just in that scenario. So they had, uh, he had five or six siblings and they, uh, would, um, heat up the water on a wood burning stove. My dad was only 68 again. Yeah. So let me help you to understand this, this, this part. So this wasn't that long ago. He was born in uh, 1953, but his, him and his siblings, they would heat up, uh, water on a wood-burning stove and put in a galvanized steel bucket and all of his siblings, all six, would bathe in the same galvanized steel bucket. And he was one of the youngest. So with his type of upbringing, um, he was very hard-nosed. He was very, very I mean, self-disciplined, but there was a lot of anger in him too. So we got that part. That was dad. Dad was, um, you know, at nine years old, he put uh, me and my brother, who was 12 at the time, in front of his car is a 67 MGB GT, which was his pride and joy. And he put us in front of the car. He stood about 15 yards back with a football, and my brother wanted to play football. So he put us in front of the car, and he said that if you don't catch the ball and it hits my car, I'll whoop your ass. So he threw as a grown man, uh, which he wasn't that much older than my brother because he was like uh, 19 when he had my brother. Um, but here's a man that's 19 years older than the kid that's sitting in front of him and you know, 22 years older than me, and he's firing the ball from 15 yards away as hard as he possibly can. And if we drop the ball or the ball hits the, uh, the car, we get our ass beat. So that was dad. Okay. Um, dad didn't take any crap. 
Now, as he went along, he became Pops. And Pops was wise beyond his years. He was asking you questions. He was encouraging you. He was directing your eyes to the Lord. He wasn't coming down on you. He wasn't disciplining you. He was asking you questions that would cause you to discipline yourself. And every time I asked Pops a question, Pops would tell me, I don't know, but I know someone who does. And he would direct my eyes to the Lord and he would direct my eyes to the Word. Then there was a guy named Kempa. Now, Kempa, uh, my brother, I'm getting chills when I say it, because my brother um, had two children. Riley was first and then Cameron was second. Well, um, I believe it was Cameron or Riley, one of the two, but one of them couldn't say grandpa. So they pronounced it Kempa. So he became Kempa. Well, only seven people in this world ever experienced Kempa, and that's Ada, Paloma, Sophia, uh, Riley, Cameron, Maddox, and McKenna. So those are our children, my brother's children and my children. So there's seven. And those experienced Kampa. So now Kampa was the kindest, gentlest, walking with you, wanting to know what your feelings were. Dad wasn't that way. Pops, wise beyond his years, but I never even experienced Kampa. I never got to experience Kampa because he wasn't my Kampa. But there was three stages of this guy named Tom Thomas Cardenas. And he embodied all three of them. And so what was cool is he created the discipline at first, which was the foundation. Then he brought in the wisdom. And once he brought in the wisdom, then he brought in the love from Kampa. And so that, for me, that's why he, when I say he's the wisest man that I, uh, for me that ever lived, was because he took me through that journey. I didn't know I was going on that journey until he actually passed away. And then I realized there's three guys. And I believe that he released dad when pops came. And he was able to release pops when Kempa came to the kids. But most of us don't release. So we'll say, oh, that's just who I am. Well, my pops had released dad. And he was able to be present in pops. And then when he got to Kampa, he was able to release Pops and just be Kampa. Oh, I love that. It, it brings to mind legacy. Yeah. Like his legacy was evolving, but he left on a loving note for your whole family, mm. for everybody. And it just got deeper and deeper as time went on. So I think you mentioned something about your, was he an entrepreneur himself? Yes, he was later on. Um, he, he uh, started off in, in 1985, it was, um, he got this thing called the course. And the course was, it was uh, very early on in um, network marketing. And um, it was a millionaire course, and you bought the course for $4,500, of which he didn't have. He made $800 a month before taxes, and he was in the military with two kids. But he bought this course, and my mom was, like, wanted to choke him because of it. But the course, basically, you listen to the course and watch these videotapes, and it taught you how to sell this course to other people to become a millionaire. And so that was his. How did that work out? Okay, let me say it again. <laughs> let me say it again. He bought a course for $4,500 that when you watched the course to become a millionaire, it taught you to go and sell the course to other people so you would become a millionaire. I wrote down MLMs. <laughs> 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 and so the cool thing was my pops, this was a, a lesson. What my pops taught me in that was that if you got a check in the mail for a million dollars 
okay, tomorrow, Barbara, you wouldn't run out to the post office or postman and hug him. You wouldn't. You would call the person who sent it to you and thank him. So my pops always told me, he said, look at the mail, not the mailman, and celebrate the mail, not the mailman. So most of us get tripped up on this message that came was through someone who I don't agree with. I don't agree with who they are, their lifestyle, whatever it was, but my pops was saying, glean. Like, it doesn't matter who it came through. As long as it's truth, take it and apply it in your life. But always test it with truth. And how can I test it with truth? Just test it against the word. And who was the word inspired by? By God. And if I have a relationship, a personal relationship with him, I can take any bit of information, put it up against, and say, God, is this what you want me to do? Now, it could be the right thing, but not for me at that time. But the only way that I'll know that is if I'm in touch with God. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I always see and admire that you are. You're in the word. I mean, your Bible is marked up <laughs> everywhere. Like, it is pretty crazy. Look, I, like, I don't know how to do that, but I'm... I'm just getting more and more hungry for the word. I mean, I've been reading it daily for years, but I've just recently reached this new level of, of hunger and thirst for really knowing God's word because I want to know each day that I live my life, I'm living it the way that the best way that I'm that I can, but it has to line up. It has to line up. And if the timing isn't my timing, I've come to understand like, you know, it's not my timing, it's God. <laughs> I'm glad you're getting to that point because I'm not at that point. I still question him uh, all the time. I'm I'm a bonehead. I'm hard-headed, and he, he seems to have to, um, you know, he seems to have to teach me the lesson fifty thousand well, times. It never. It's never easy. <laughs> I, I admit, it's always a struggle inside. I'm like, okay, what? Okay, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to learn? What is it? Like, I'll I'll learn the lesson. I'll, I'm all for it, but just. Help me, like every day. It's a struggle. It is definitely a struggle, and I know it's a common struggle too for so many people. Let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey then, because yeah. you're a huge entrepreneur. I mean, you have your hair salons, and then you're a speaker, and you're an author, and you have products. Like you do so many things. So, was that always kind of how you were wired, or what was your path? No, it wasn't. I thought I was going to go in the military. My dad was in the military. I thought I was going to go in the military. Um, I grew up on a military base, and I believe that that gave me the keys. Anyone that's out there that's a military brat, I want to congratulate you, but I want you to become conscious of the superpowers that you have. You had to move around, which means you had to make a lot of friends. You had to be the new kid, and you had to be okay with that. And so those things are things that in life that if you can move in and out of circles and connect with people, because if you live on a military base, you probably have a friend who is uh, you know, black and Japanese, or black and Chinese, or Chinese and German, or German and Italian. But that's not common in most neighborhoods. And so when you have that eclectic mix of people, you have to learn how to deal with people. And the number one connector, what I find, is food. So when you understand the food of the culture that you're dealing with, it's a connector. The second connector is vocabulary and vernacular. Most people go to vocabulary and vernacular first. But you have to understand the food first, I believe. And when you, when you meet a Filipino person and you ask them about lumpia or adobo or ponset, the vibe changes because now you understand their culture. When you eat, when you break bread with somebody, I mean, think about it. Like when you do that, but you engage in their, like when you meet a, a person from like Lebanon and you have tabbouleh and 
you meet a person from, you know, from anywhere in the Middle East and you talk about lamb and how they prepare it and uh, different things like that, and you engage in that, it connects you to a different level. So that was a, a big thing. But again, I thought I was going to go in the military because my dad was in the military. But um, my entrepreneurial journey started like Craig from Friday. That's uh, because I got <laughs> fired on my day off. You know what I mean? I, it wasn't like inspired. <laughs> I call, I got a call on That's a Monday hilarious. and I was supposed to, I wasn't working on a Monday. I got a call from my boss that said, you don't need to come to work no more. How are you going to get fired on your day off? You know what I mean? And, but it was one of those things where God put a piece on my heart and I had, I mean, Barbara, I was having a pool dug in my backyard at the time, like backhoe digging this hole. You're like, oh. They said, they said to me on the phone, like, you don't need to come to work. I was like, stop, like, just leave the hole. Just leave the hole. We'll just have a slip and slide in the back. I've been ghetto before. I'll be ghetto right now. And so it wasn't this, you know, it, I remember the only reason why I was excited about being an entrepreneur as a kid, which I didn't really know what it meant, which actually an entrepreneur, all it means is that you get paid last. That's all. And you never know what you're doing. But... Um, I remember me and my uh, friend, Will uh, Simmons, he's my best friend since fourth grade. <laughs> uh, we used to always say, like, I would be like, we would get on, cam we had a video camera, and we was like, uh, William, what are you going to be when you grow up? And he would be like, a young black entrepreneur. <laughs> and we would say it just because it rhymed with manure, and we thought it was funny. So I didn't know what this word meant. I didn't know what any of it meant. But I, I <laughs> realized early on that, like, when I lost my job, like, you got to go get another one. Like, you got to figure something out. And I just started trying. And the coolest thing is my parents gave me the greatest gift in the whole entire world, which hopefully I can give to all of your listens, listeners, is just the permission to try. My parents gave me the permission to try anything. And if it worked, write it down, systemize it, do it again. If it sucks, just stop doing it. If, <laughs> if you think about the simplicity, I just worked with a, fin a financial literacy company that, uh, that we have, um, and uh, I'm a, a, a partner in that or a part owner of that. And I was just teaching kids this morning, right before you came in. And I told him, I said, today's lesson is on, it, we called it beauty, beauty in the budget, right? <laughs> and I was like, here's the lesson, guys. Spend less than you make, period. We're done. Like, we're done. That's it, <laughs> right? It's no, it's, it's not rocket science. Entrepreneurship is not rocket science. It's a series. Watch this. This is, you'll get your MBA right now. A series of small tasks done in a timely manner. That's what business is. And there's nothing that can't be broken down into a smaller task that can be done on time. And when it's done on time, you'll be successful. If you're constantly off time, you're going to have challenges. Because we always think of the big thing, the big goal, right? <laughs> the big accomplishment. And it's like, it's overwhelming. It's too much. Mm -hmm. You can't. I love that you're... Uh, encouraging the listeners to just try because what can go wrong and and I and I, that's one thing that bothers me a lot too is just seeing the potential that's just never reached or never even attempted to be reached it just it breaks my heart honestly because we were all born with such a great purpose and and calling and gifts and talents and all the things and that that fear or that overwhelm just keeps many people Mm -hmm. right and I mean, sometimes fear can be your greatest, greatest ally. Right. And, right. you know, it can because there's some times, I mean, not everyone should be an entrepreneur. <laughs> no. Not everyone should own a business. Um, 
But sometimes it's that uh, meter to tell you, caution, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Right. And then the other side is, sometimes it's that little bit of fear that's going to give you the energy to be able to focus. But the only way that you'll know the difference is that when you're in communication, personal communication, with God. Yeah. Right? Because I could do something that would be amazing, and it works. And then I tell you, and if you're not ready and that's not God's will for your life right now, you could do that same thing. And then when it works, who do you think you'll give credit to? Me. Mm. Does God want your focus on me? Nope. He wants his fo- oh, your focus on him. Right. So if we test everything, this is the crazy thing. Like if we seriously just test everything with him and against truth, it makes things, it won't make it easy but it'll make it a lot simpler and it'll make it signature to you. And I I use this analogy, right? So uh, I don't know if you have anyone in your family that's a Swifty. Okay. My daughter's a Swifty, big Swifty. And she, she loves her some Taylor Swift and she, my, my wife bought her uh, tickets to go to see Taylor at uh, SoFi. And Think of this. My daughter, 14 years old, loves Taylor Swift, has posters all over the wall, goes to SoFi. My wife pays like a, a, as much as a house to be able to get the worst tickets in the place. Yeah. If Taylor would have came out for three hours and covered the Rolling Stones for three hours, how do you think my daughter would have felt? Probably wouldn't have felt that good. Do you think she would have been like, oh my gosh, Taylor Swift is awesome. She would be like, no, why don't you play your own music? Well, what we don't realize is that Taylor Swift's audience showed up for Taylor Swift's music. And if Taylor Swift plays that music, her audience can be very happy. If she plays any other music, they won't be happy and they won't show up. Every single person that's listening right now has an audience that's already assembled, but they're only going to respond when you play your music. Mm. And your music is the purpose that God gave to you specifically. So when it's your time then you'll listen to those things. And so it won't be about the methods. It'll be about his divine grace that's in your life and that he's given to you. And so when he gives that to you, there's no way for you to explain it. And when you can't explain it, then you have to point their eyes to, like my pop said, I don't know, but I know someone who does. And that's all God wants is he wants our attention. But if our routines get our attention, then people start to look at the routine, then they follow the routine, and then guess who becomes the God? That person. And God ain't trying to play that. I'm telling you. Like, it, I mean, that, or at least that's the way that he's played in my life. He's like, boy, you know, you, yeah. ain't, you ain't taking any of my credit, boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> a few slaps over there. No, I, li- I like that because I'm a big morning routine person, and I do start to miss. I'm, I'm in the same boat with my son playing competitive soccer right now. We've missed so many weeks of church, and my, my soul is like, oh, I miss. I do miss being at church, but church is wherever you are. And I, and I'm, I never unplug from God. It's constant. It's, it's, it's too embedded in me. I am like, I'm in the word and I'm in prayer. I mean, I'm talking to God all day, every day. You know what I mean? And I encourage my kids and I model for my kids and it's just with me. It's just me. It's he's in me. Absolutely. And so I love that you, you shared that and gave that, uh, that other perspective. Cause I think a lot of us can kind of maybe be, be, um, overcome with a little bit of guilt or, or, you know, just feeling like, ah, oh, you should be here or there, but you're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's the grace, right? So you think about like, if you're a child, how many children do you have? 
Three. Okay. If one of your children, any one of them, which I know you have a favorite, um, but we won't mention <laughs> that. Um, but if any of your children came to you and said, I did X, is there ever a time where you would be like, you're a horrible person? Right. Never. You give them grace. Yeah. But we don't do that to ourselves. Yeah. Imagine if you treated yourself the way that you treated your child when your child was one. Mm-hmm. Your child doo-dooed in their pants. Like, doo-dooed in their pants. I mean, th- and you forgave it every single time. You're like, oh. It's cute. Oh, look at you. <laughs> you know? And so imagine if we treated ourselves that way. I mean, how many times in business or in relationships or just in life do we really poop the bed? Yeah. Well, a lot. But And then we get hard on ourselves. And God is just saying, like, honestly, I can ease up. I got it. I got you. Mm-hmm. And everything is going to work according to my plan. And, but my timing is not your timing. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the hardest. That's the hard, probably one of the hardest things that I know in my life is that it's, or that I know I, that you have to work through is that it's not going to be your time. Yeah. I, I mean, I've never had my timing and God's timing aligned. Never. Really? Never. Because there's always a time where I want it, Barbara. I want it now. I want this blessing now. You showed me a vision. I want it now. And you know what God says? There's going to be this, and then 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 this. Okay, I'll I'll give you an example. I was in uh, Las Vegas probably 1999. I wasn't married at the time, didn't have a girlfriend, so I didn't have any place to be after work. I'm in the back. I hear this person. I'm at the Mandalay Bay uh, working at the salon. So this guy walks in, and when he walks in, I'm thinking, okay, um, here is, uh, here's my scenario. I've got, um, nowhere to be. I hear this guy say, I want a haircut. The girl at the front says, we're closing. Cause it was right close to time. It was 15 minutes before it closed. He's like, are you sure? Is there any way? And I hear her say it. And she says it like three times. No, we can't take it. Whatever. I hear it and I just walk right up and I'm like, I ain't got no place to be. I can take care of this guy. So I take care of him. I take, I talk to him. He ends up wanting highlights too. So I do highlights on him, do a haircut, whatever. His name is Joey. Joey's from Chicago. Connect with him. This is 1999. Connect with him. He goes out to the pool. He invites me out there with all his buddies. He's there, spring break, whatever it is. Joey comes through a couple other times while I'm there at the Mandalay Bay. Like every time he would come to Vegas with his boys, he would come and see me. 2008, fast forward, nine years. Okay, so nine years later, I open a salon in Chicago after getting fired from that job oh. at the Mandalay Bay. Oh. And I open a salon in Chicago. Well, guess who happens to be the top valet guy in all of Chicago? Joey. And Joey has a girlfriend, and Joey has a mom, and Joey has a sister, and Joey knows everyone in the city because Joey has a guy. I go to open up, and when we go to open up, we, they, they don't turn on our electricity or don't turn on our gas. So I call the, uh, the gas company and say, hey, I need my gas turned on. And they say, okay, cool, put in a, a working bill, and we will get it back to you in 21 days. Well, I'm opening in two days. I'm like, there's no way. I have to have this. So you know who I call? I call Joey. And Joey said, this is what you hear in Chicago. Don't worry. I got a guy. I said, what do you mean? He said, 
I told you not to worry. Now what I'm going to need you to do is within the next two hours, I'm going to need you to stay away from the back area of your salon. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I do not want you to go back there. I don't want you to go back there because you're not going to see anything at all. And he said, what are you going to see? I said, nothing at all. Within two hours, he said, after the two hours, you could go back out. I was cleaning in the salon, whatever it is. After two hours, I walk out, and you know what's happened? My gas is on. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I got a guy, right? So some people could be like, well, here's the formula for that. You got to be in Vegas nine years before, and you got to walk up, and you got to meet this guy, and you got to do this. But no, no, no. There's divine appointments. Mm. Joey came in and needed a haircut. God knew that I was going to need my gas turned on nine years later. But that's what I'm thinking. So whenever, <laughs> every time something did come to fruition for you, you always have to look back and say, God always knew he had every, every step. Every step. Planned in advance. He knew every piece to put where, at what time, mm -hmm. to bring me here to this moment. So Absolutely. even though we continue wanting things to happen right now, <sighs> We still have that, everything before us or behind, you know, in the past to look at and say, like, ah, he, he knows best. He knows what he's doing. He's, lead, he's, he's working it all right now for me. Yeah. So we have that trust. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's hard, but we have it. But at the same time, being a human being, I went through that experience. That's a phenomenal experience. You would think I would just be walking around with a staff and like some, some white robe and some sandals and being like, you know, follow Jesus. No one will ever, you know, you, you don't have to worry about anything. I still question every single day. That's what I'm saying. I'm a bonehead. Like, you know, there's times where we're, you know, I want a contract to go through. I put out a proposal and I'm like, please, God, like just, and I try to make deals with them. I don't know if you do this. All the time. But I try and like, okay, if you'll just do it this one time, then, you know, I'll do it. I try to look cute and <laughs> make the fake dimples, <laughs> the, the no eyelashes here. Just, it ain't working for me. <laughs> it's it, not working it, for it's me It's not either. working for me. I, I've had some challenges that way. But so. you know what? This is what I, this is how I think about this whole situation is, Yes, I don't, okay, I'm begging and pleading and, and, you know, trying to be all cute and it's not happening, but I'm still going to be faithful. I'm still going to believe and trust. I'm still going to glorify you and I'm still going to give you all the honor and the praise every day, even though it's not happening. Like, I, I feel like I'm constantly trying my best to pass the test. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and you're, you're doing a lot better than I am. I, I, I remember my dad coming down, pops coming down uh, from the garage one time, and he was uh, and he was kind of heated. I was like, Pop, what were you doing? You know, he was in Indiana. He had a, uh, a room above the garage. And he came down, and I was like, why are you heated, man? And he was like, I was just yelling at God. I was like, oh, oh I'm going to step away from you because you're about to get struck by lightning, bro. Like, you know, you're my best friend, but I, you know, I, we, ain't, we ain't down right now. And um, he, he just told me, he said, it's, it's okay. It's okay to yell at God. And I was like, he said he wants you to yell at him because that means that it's a true, real relationship with him. And, I mean, there's times where I don't agree, you know, even in this this journey, right? So you talked about the salons. We sold the salons, um, you know, and I had a 30-year career in the professional beauty industry. And, you know, I uh, God just moved me to, to step out of it. Like, most people after a 30-year career with something, they're like, well, I'll just stay in this part of it. But, you know, it was like, I want you to go this direction. And, you know, there's times 
where you're like, did I do the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Should I go back and do this? He continues to talk to me and let me know, hey, I, like I brought you this far. I'm not going to drop you off. And I'm going to build you faith to faith, glory to glory. But I'm not going to take you from like, I'm not going to take you from the, the bottom of the valley to the top of the mountain in one step. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And you're not going to be on the top of the mountain for that long. The only reason why you get to the top of the mountain, son, is to look for the valley that you're going to go and rest in to get recharged to climb the next mountain. Yeah. That's life. Yeah, but I don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't like that. I think that I should jump from mountaintop to mountaintop. Me too. I'm with you on that one. Shoot. It's like, it's like, and I have zero entrepreneurial background. I've shared that before. I was a teacher and I left that. And I'm still like, but you called me out. You, you know, you want me to do these things, but... I'm struggling and, you know, I have all these conversations, but like your dad too, I, I get mad and I'm like, I'll, I'll let it out and I'll be, and then I'm like, I'm sorry, God, sorry. <laughs> but he knows our heart. Yeah. He wants, he just wants to communicate and, right. you know, he wants to communicate with us and again, build his faith to faith, glory to glory. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's going to be, he's going to take you to that thing. Like I didn't realize that he was training me to do the podcast and to speak through working with people one-on-one -on -one in a chair and I was interviewing them. I was interviewing oh. people for 30 years. You totally were. Right? Well, and when, when did you start your podcast? Um, started in 2020. So uh, March 2020. Yeah. That was like literally shut down. Was it right after? Or it was before? right about, we had done one episode. It was early on, but I didn't know how to upload the stuff. I didn't know how to do anything. And then I just kind of taught myself, if you go back, I, I would invite you to, and any of your listeners, go back and check out on YouTube. You have to do it on YouTube. Um, episode one. It is awful. And, but I've left it up there because I recorded, I put a mic in front of me. The mic was not plugged in, but I wanted a mic look so it looked oh, like a podcast. Okay. Um, the sound was awful cause it was echoey and it was in a, like, I didn't understand sound bouncing and all the stuff. It was on my iMac from the, from the video from that, but I had a mic again, the mic in front of me is not plugged in. It's just for aesthetic just for looks, okay. and it was on some janky tray. And, but again, it goes back to the permission to try. Yeah. Right. And so my parents gave me, um, my parents gave me when I talk about heart set, right. So. When I said the heart set, your heart set, your mindset, and your skill set, right? So your beliefs, your intentions, and your actions. When you get them in line, you get an irresistible vibe. What my parents gave me and they gifted me was they gave me a belief system that was so solid that I didn't know at the time, but later on it, it helped me, which was you're awesome. Separate yourself from your accomplishments. You're beautiful. Don't ever compare yourself to anyone. And you can do anything that you put your mind to, but just because you could do it doesn't make it your purpose. And then my pop summed it up and saying, you're the greatest son, so act accordingly. Right. So that was my foundation. Then that's my foundation, my belief, my heart set, my intentions are my mindset. I was gifted from them, too, which was to be kind, meaning that you contribute to every single environment and person that you come in contact with. Contribute. Being nice and being kind is two different things. Being nice is out of obligation. Being kind is out of contribution. Mm -hmm. So con contribute to every environment. Number two, make a ton of friends. And I think I have some of the coolest friends in the whole entire world. You and it, to have the coolest friends. It frees me to just be myself because mm -hmm. I don't have to be the yes. number one in personal development because I have it in Greg Reed. He's a very good friend of mine. I don't have to be, um, 
you know, a, a financial wizard because I have friends that are in those realms. I don't have to be the uh, number one interventional cardiologist in the world. Why? Because my friend, Dr. Lombardi, who is just on the podcast, is that. Mm. And then stay curious. So stay curious about what other people are doing is because you already know your story. Yeah. And you do this great. Um, and then for me, my skill set or my actions are simply relentless. Right. It just means that once I go at it, I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work, I'm going to learn, write it down. And then I'm not going to do that again. And then I'm going to try something a little bit new and improve it. And if you give me enough chances, I'll figure it out. Yeah. But I have to have the go back to the permission to try. That's why I have the permission to try. And when I'm based on that and when those are in line, it really gives me, you know, like it gives me wings in it. But also I know that the only reason why I'm allowed to do that is because God gifted me that. So then when I get done and people say, oh, my gosh, how'd you do it? And I can say, I don't know, but I know someone who does. I love that. That's <laughs> the best advice ever. How are you, how is all of this transferring over to the kids? Do you see anything from your own experiences and your own mindset and, and just way of life, living, um, kind of feeding into their lives now? Yeah. How old are they, 14 and? 14 and 12. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm learning from them. I mean, the uh, like uh, Maddox, uh, you know, he was at school. This was last year, and I got him some uh, Lightning Fours, uh, Jordan, for all my sneakerheads. You guys know what that is. For those of you who aren't sneakerheads, you're like, Lightning Fours, what is that? But it's a Jordan Four, and it's a, a yellow one. Well, yellow gets dirty really quick, and he came home from school after getting these Lightning Fours, which are, mean a lot to me because my parents bought us. They're actually up in the shot of the black shoes right behind me. Um, my parents bought those in 1989. They were $125 a piece, and they bought me and my brother a pair, and my dad only made $1,100 a month before taxes, and we lived 40 miles away from our high school and only had one car. So the fact that they took $250 out of one paycheck was massive. So that's why they mean so much to me. So I got a pair for my son. He didn't go through all that stuff. But they're the lightning ones. They're the yellow ones. He goes to school. He comes back home, and there's a big stain on him, and he's kind of down. I said, what's up, buddy? He said, man, uh, um, someone stepped on my shoe today. I said, oh, you know, that's no big deal. We could clean them. He's like, no, but they stepped on them on purpose. And then it was like, all right, well, I came from Lompoc, California. That's what I'm saying. Like some Vaseline, <laughs> taking the area. You know what I mean? You're, you're getting into it. I'm not a fighter, but I'll, I'll act like I am for now. So I, I was like, oh, man, you know, we're going back to schoolyard then. So I was like, I'm about to teach my son a lesson. And I said to my son, I know how to stop that. And he said, how can that, how is that, Daddy? I said, the next time that kid goes to step on your shoes on purpose, I want you to ball up your fist, and I want you to plant it inside his mouth as deep as you possibly can, and he'll never do it again. And I was like, I'm teaching my son life skills. Like, this is how I was. I was like, yes. I felt God just, like, wrap me up and be like, yes, you're the man. And then my son brought me right back down to earth. He looked at me, and he said, Daddy, I'm not that type of guy. And I would never let something as small as a mark on my Aww. shoe really impact my whole day. <laughs> I believe God set me up. He set me up. Game, set, and match. You know what I'm saying? Like Kids schooled you. Just yep. blast. And, but what, and my daughter had an experience one time. She came in. She said, this girl was being so nasty to me, whatever it was. And, and I, again, this was a couple years before. And I had told her, like, you know, you need to let her know. Like, draw the line in the sand. That's what we were taught, right? And that's what I was thinking, but I didn't say it to her. And then two days later, my daughter's in the bathroom with me, and she's like, hey, Daddy, remember the other day when I was complaining about that one girl who was really mean and saying nasty things to me? I was like, yep. And I was ready. Like, let me say it now. And she's like, 
I'm so glad that I didn't respond to her because I found out the reason why she was so mean and nasty because I just found out that her parents are getting a divorce. I was like, but for me, it's not what I tell my kids. And that's what I think most parents don't understand. My pops taught me this. He said that the, uh, there's only one difference between a video camera and a child. He will always do these things. I was like, what? Yeah, he was wise. <laughs> he said, a child doesn't have a stop, a rewind, and a delete button. That's deep. And he said they're recording every single thing that they see. And more than I could ever imagine, I thought that I was going to sit down, the sage-wise, gray beard, rocking on the, uh, the, the porch, whittling wood, telling my kids stories about wisdom. But my wife taught me this. People won't, see, uh, won't hear what you say. They won't see what you do. They'll only hear where they're, they're at. And when they're at a certain point, they'll pick up on a certain thing. And so it's not to say that you have to walk on eggshells, but that's why we got to be, let's go back to it. How do we create our vibe, our heart set, our mindset, and our skill set? We put them in line. We create that irresistible vibe. That irresistible vibe directs their eyes right back to our creator who built us in the first place. And so we have to start thinking that if my pop summed it up like this, you're the greatest, so act accordingly. And imagine if you believed, Barbara, every single day, that you are perfectly, wonderfully made in the image of God. Anything contrary to that's a lie. From this day forward, only accept truth. And you walked in that greatness every single day and you came upon a circumstance and you were able to get over on someone, even though you knew it was like 95% right and 5% wrong. And you said, I'm the greatest, so I need to act according to that greatness. Is that acting according to your greatness? And then you would police yourself and you wouldn't have someone coming over the top saying, you need to do this. Because you don't listen to that anyway. And your kids don't either. I love that. And the power of words, right? And the power of truth <laughs> with, from within us. There is so much goodness there. Um, there is something you mentioned on, I don't know, a recent episode. Um, this is jumping to Brooklyn because she's a little baddie too. Oh. You always give her props. You always show her so much love. I love that. <laughs> you, and, you, and you also shout out your brother a lot too because he seems to give you some solid advice when you need it most. And the thing that I remember most clearly is it was involving a vacation and an engagement that you had and you had to make a decision. <laughs> uh, see, my brother gives me that sage advice, but a lot of times it smacks upside the head. So it's not this, like, we're skipping in the daisies and my brother is like, oh, brother, right? uh, you know, you need to <laughs> do this. You know, it's like, it, generally it comes with a, Slap, yeah, but you know, I love that. hey, dummy, you need to do this. So That's how you need it sometimes. <laughs> well, I had a, I got a call, which it was a really cool call. It's from Greg Reed. Greg Reed is the, uh, like the Michael Jordan of personal development. And he called me and said, hey, uh, I'd like you to speak at Secret Knock. Well, Secret Knock is the number one networking conference in the world that you can't go to unless you're invited. I was invited. Okay. And so he called me and said, I got a 15 minute slot for you. I want you to speak at this. This is a, this is a game changer. It's a game changer. So I was like, yes, okay, cool, I'm done. I get off the phone, go to my wife. It's in uh, Park City, Utah. I run up to her, I'm like, hey, baby, I just got great news. She's like, hey, before you say that, I got great news too. And I was like, cool with your great news, but I want you to hear my, <laughs> my great news. And so I just, you know, blabbed it out. Like, oh, I got asked to speak a singer now. She's like, oh my gosh, congratulations, that's what you wanted, blah, 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 all this stuff. And she's like, I'm gonna tell my great news. I said, what is it? She's like, um, 
Michelle and Sean uh, said that our Hawaii trip is on. And I was like, cool, because I had committed to Hawaii back in the, uh, back before, but then they had rescheduled it and they weren't able to go. And she's like, oh, but they said that they were able to go now. And I was like, cool. So now I just got to speak a secret knock and I get to go to Hawaii. Awesome. And um, she's like, okay, cool. So when's the date? And I was like, and I said the date. And she was like, oh. And I was like, what? And she said, the date for Hawaii is the same day. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I always test God. So I'm like, are you sure, God? Are you sure? Are you sure you want me to do this? Like, show me three times. You know what right. I'm saying? And uh, have a burning bush. Uh, fart the sea. Whatever, you know. And I, I was like, are you, are, you, are you sure, God? Like this. And so I called my brother, and I was like, hey, I got a dilemma. He's like, what's the dilemma? I said, well, I committed to my wife to go to Hawaii. But then the plans got changed. And then I got asked to do this. And I talked up the speaking engagement. I was like, this speaking engagement, but it's cha game changer. It could change my whole career. This is like one of the greatest opportunities. It can open up so many doors for my career and for my family. And I could provide all these things. And he just stopped everything. He was like, or he said, you don't have a dilemma. You already committed to your wife. And then he hung up on me. <laughs> I like that part. Just hung up <laughs> and on I was me. like, I, I guess I don't have a dilemma. And then I went to Greg and I did was like. Did you accept that right then or did. Okay. I, okay. Dumb, okay. Dumb come question. On, come on. No. I mean, I was still like, oh, maybe, maybe God will come through. Maybe it'll just get canned, whatever. But I go to Greg and I say, go to Greg Reed. And this is the character of Greg Reed. I go to him and I was like, hey, man, I just want to let you know, I can't do Secret Knock because I made a commitment to my family and I need to uphold that commitment to my family. And he looked at me and he said, great decision Aww. and he said nothing else after that he said great decision and then he just moved on and I was like oh my gosh so I did that went had a great time with uh with my wife um stayed in contact with Greg while he was there and he was doing the event and we just got a chance to be able to talk and then fast forward probably three months and um he calls me over to the house after I had spoke at prosperity camp is like a 15 minute slot or whatever and he pulls me over and I was like, oh man, he's going to tell me all the things, you know, like give me some critiquing. I was ready for it. Sits me down. He's like, hey, I want to talk to you about prosperity camp. And I was like, Damn, I did something wrong. Maybe I said something wrong. And he said, I thought things went really well. And I'd like you to be the co-host of Secret Knock with me moving forward. And we'll co-host all these events together and we'll do it together. Wow. You see, I believe that because I chose my family, God gave me more exceedingly abundantly more than what I could ever ask for. I never even thought that I'd be the co-host of Secret Knock. But God saw that and he honored it. And I believe that when you choose your family, sometimes even reluctantly, mm -hmm. when yeah. you choose your family, God will take care of everything else. Yeah. But if you choose your business, it doesn't always mean that your family is going to be taken care of. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, you don't stay strong in business and all those things, but I could tell you this, like, that was my, my pop, my pop's a big one and my mom, my mom was big on this. It was like, you know, and my brother was big on this too. Like, cause I used to say like, I want to change the industry. I want to impact the world. And my brother was like, the world don't care about you. The industry <laughs> don't care about you. What he said was, if you really truly want to make an impact, then impact the three people who sit around your dinner table. Yeah. And once you start to do that and you start to focus on that, 
all the rest of this stuff will come. Or sometimes it won't. Right. But having that priority in order, in place, <laughs> starting right inside your home, under your roof, is where it all starts, right? And when you don't, and like you said, I forget how, how you just said it, but uh, if you put your business first, your family could be taken care of maybe monetarily or, you know, in, in that sense. But what, what is not working is the internal and the time, because how precious is time with your family? Mm. You know, we know we don't have tomorrow. Um, and our families are just, they're so important, more important than any other event or, or whatever. Uh, but it's hard. It it, I, oh, I, I could feel it for you because I, that, that's a, that is a dilemma. That's not a, just a, eh. Well, it, and I want to, I want to speak to all the people, if you, if you are listening out there, um, it's okay if you do question it. <laughs> like I, yeah, I think I, that's totally normal. I, I questioned it and it, it, sometimes it's going to be tough and it's not always going to be like when you're in the midst of it, um, you can justify anything. I, and I justified it for a long time. I remember saying to my uh, brother, I was like, you know, I do this for, he was like, why are you doing it? Like I was traveling a ton and stuff like that. And not to say any hit against traveling. I was like, I'm doing it for my family. And he was like, no, you're not. You're doing it for you. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm doing it for my family. Like I'm making sure. And he's like, no, if you're doing it for your family, then you would make the time for your family. And I was like, that's so amazing <laughs> that you have a bold brother like that. Cause so many people, siblings, best friends, they will not be honest with you like that. So you're so lucky to have him. What's his name? His name is Rob. Big Rob. Sh shout out Big Rob. Big Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, so good. Okay, and then I know you had a, um, after COVID, mm -hmm. you had a whole shift. Because I remember listening to an episode shortly after kind of things were starting to get back into normal. Yeah. And you were talking about how how quickly, like everybody else, how quickly things just like went bad or went downhill, right? They, uh -huh. You were shut down. You, yeah. I don't know if you lost any of the businesses or just, you know, had to struggle through that time period, but then you moved into a new direction of speaking. Mm -hmm. And that's something that was kind of revealed to you that you wanted to, or that you should, you know, pursue. Well, it was simultaneously happening too. So I had been speaking for 30 years um, you know, uh, during the times, the, during the time that I was in the professional beauty industry. So I was speaking inside for the most part early on, just inside the industry. Then I started speaking inside and outside the industry because I would have, uh, I started off just educational. So I just teach just technical. And then I would teach technical and have a team with me and they would want me to speak about what they were doing because they only wanted to be the artist. And then the audience started to say, can you come to my company? And I was like, well, we need to bring the team. And they said, we don't want the team. And I said, well, we got to show you hair. And they said, we don't want hair. We just want you to come and speak about the principles. So then I would have a husband or a wife that was the husband or the wife of the hairdresser in the audience. And the husband or the wife would be in insurance or in the dental or real estate. And they'd be like, these principles transcend. Because all I was speaking and all I speak about is the word. It really is. I mean, obviously, I adapt it to my stories and things like that. But the best personal development book in the whole entire world was written 2,000 years ago. And it hasn't changed. And But the challenge is, is, is it's hard to market it, right? Yeah. And that's why people don't talk about it. But every, if you look at all personal developments based on things in Proverbs and based on things in the book that 2,000 years ago was written. Okay. Um, so when that started to happen, I was speaking simultaneously and I, as I had the businesses. 
And then in 2019, I got to the point and my, we were on a dog walk and my wife said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, well, I want to, I want to start a podcast and I want to, I just want to focus on the speaking because I had been doing that part. And she said, well, how much money we got in the bank? What's our burn rate? And let's go do it. So let's sell the company and let's go do it. I was very fortunate during uh, COVID. Um, our businesses did shut down. Um, all of them, like one day, all gone, everything. I was very fortunate though, that, um, because I've been through a lot of, uh, punches in the face and kicks to the face and kicks to the throat and stomping on my head and stuff like that throughout my life. Um, because of that, it was just another challenge that I saw. So we came back roaring when, when we opened back up, um, we did something that, very few people did, but we took away the one thing that took twice as much time and made zero money at all. And we cut it out of the salons. So we cut out blow drying. And in cutting out blow drying, what happened was our efficiency went through the roof. So now I had a hairdresser who was working a six hour day where they were working eight before. They were able to take more clients, keep the clients safe, and they were able to make more money. So and the clients were super happy because they didn't, uh, at the time, people were scared of, uh, you know, like uh, antigen or, you know, blowing um, uh, germs around and stuff like that with the blow dryer. So we just took blow drying out completely. Everyone thought I was crazy. But whenever people say that I'm crazy, I know I'm on the right mm -hmm. path. And we did this and we did this for probably about three months. And the only reason why we bought, brought back blow drying was not because the clients were complaining, but because the hairdressers were. And what was so crazy to me is here's the hairdresser who's working I cut their, their work hours in by a third. I cut their workload in half and I increased their uh, income anywhere from 20 to 70%. And the only people who were complaining were hairdressers. It wasn't the clients. The clients were completely okay. Mm -hmm. And so we came roaring back and it was amazing because, you know, we had a, a plan. We executed the plan. Uh, the, but I, I think a lot of times people get scared of change. Right? And a lot of the hairdressers, and I did this with, uh, uh, I, not, uh, people said, well, it'll only work because it's your salons. And I was like, well, I'm coaching two other ones, one in Florida and one in, uh, in um, right outside of uh, St. Louis. And I only would take them on if they would listen to 100% of what I said and they would execute on 100%. And if they ever got down to 99%, I wouldn't be their coach anymore. And they agreed until they didn't. But every single person in both those companies Every single person had their highest weeks during that time. I had one kid that was, had done $5,000 in service in one week. That was his highest ever. According to the method that I helped him with, and he applied it, he did over $10,000 in service in one week. And this was a kid who graduated from high school, didn't have a, a college education. Wow. So when I say that, um, and we came roaring back, we were, very, we were very, very, very fortunate, but it was also, it was time. I wanted to go out like Seinfeld. Seinfeld went out when people still wanted Seinfeld. Yeah. I didn't want to be the old dude in the van down by the river that was talking about like, you know, Uncle Rico, like, you know, I used <laughs> to throw the football all over the, the, the mountain, you know? Yeah. So, but I wouldn't suggest it to anyone unless it's led because, I mean, really, I had a 30, year, 30 years in the professional beauty industry. I got a chance to, I mean, know a lot of people and have a lot of influence and be around. And... What God was letting me know is, like, I'm going to build you faith, faith, glory to glory, but you're not going to be able to take, like, carry that stuff into something new. You can't take old wine or new wine and put it in old skins. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that you're starting over because you have those skills, you have the skill set, you have the heart set, you have the mindset, 
Um, but you can't rely on what you did yesterday. You've got to rely on me for what I'm going to do today. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love relying on God because I know I'm not capable on my own. I <laughs> constantly, I'm like, just you, it has to come from you because, you know, I'm limited in my own strength and, and wisdom and all of those things. I know we just have a couple more things, but I want to talk about your hair. Mm-hmm. Like the style. How long has this been your hairstyle? When did you, how did this come about? It was an accident, just like everything. Because it's your whole branding. I mean, uh, it's everywhere. Well, it happened on, It ha- all these things happen on accident. Um, <clears throat> I got a perm on pipe cleaners, so it was little wires. I wanted an afro like Maxwell, because every lady <laughs> at the time loved Maxwell. I got the f- afro, like Ma- I thought, like, like Maxwell, but I looked like Greg Brady. Um, <laughs> but it, it was uh, it was an afro, and I was on my way back from China. I was doing some education over there, and... I was on my way back. It's like a 14 hour flight. And I, when I get tired, I rub my head and I started rubbing my head and it started nodding up in the back. And as it started to nod up, I thought, man, white dudes with dreads generally have like four dreads and they're nasty. The only way that I'll keep these is if they stay very small. So I committed to that it just happened, you know, progressively. And then my brother went to Jamaica, um, for his wedding. So for his uh, anniversary or not his anniversary, his honeymoon. And he came back and he had got me, uh, there's a, um, there's a, uh, a graphic. Some of you guys might know it. Um, it's what was called like a, a, a ju- uh, I think it was a juggalo, but it was a little stick figure and he has a hatchet and he's like a side profile and he's running. And they had taken that graphic in Jamaica and put dreads on that stick figure and he was running and it said underneath it, Rasta man. Well, because I had dreads, my brother bought me that shirt. I got the shirt, and when I got fired from my job on my day off, I had the shirt, and what God put on my heart is, like, to to honor the guy who I worked for, who was, I think, the best in the professional beauty industry. His name is Robert Crummings. Honor him by utilizing your education, cutting away the fat of all the things that you've ever worked with, and make what you learned, make it better, make your company better. So I took $75, we got a graphic artist for 75 bucks. She was 21 years old. And I told her, I want you to make a, a logo that's similar to this Rasta man thing. And she kept making it with uh, facial features in it. And I said, no, 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 I don't want facial features. And she said, I think it would be good like Alfred Hitchcock. I said, no, 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 that's not what I want. I want it without facial features. She said, why? I said, because I want to make a, an iconic symbol that will represent leaving a place better than the way that you found it. And she was like, okay. And I said, I want it to be like the Nike symbol that when people see it, they'll understand what it is. It won't need any words. Mm. At first she was like, kid, you got $75 and you're just starting your company. You're talking about Nike. This is a big comparison. I was like, okay. So we go in, we do it. What I did at first is I put Kelly Cardenas, right? Kind of medium. I put the head that you know of, small. But I did it as a faceless entity because I wanted every single person that is uh, that con- uh, connected and consumed the brand to put their face in it and say that I'm the owner because of the way that I act in my mentality, not because I actually own it. And that's when people start becoming evangelists of your brand. So the Kelly Cardenas salon was medium size. The head, small size. Big, Paul Mitchell. So I took the multi-billion dollar brand and I leveraged their brand. So I put Paul Mitchell big, Kelly Cardenas medium, head small. 
as we started to grow, people started to say, not Kelly Cardenas salon, they started to say that Paul Mitchell salon. Well, then what I did is I kept the Paul Mitchell big. I started to shrink my name, started to make the head bigger. People started to say the Paul Mitchell salon. Oh, I see the head. It's connected with Paul Mitchell. It's a multi-billion dollar brand. And then I took away Kelly Cardenas and I just made the head big and Paul Mitchell big. Now people started to associate the two. Smart. And then what I did was took away Paul Mitchell. Mm. And it was just the head. Because I still see Paul Mitchell. <laughs> so it was a progression, right? And so by the time that this, this uh, in Carlsbad, it was the first time that I ever did it where there was no name on the salon at all. It was only the head. And the head is on the floor. The head is in these places. And people are like, oh, wow, it's the logo. It's the logo. It's the logo. What is it? And it wasn't a person. It was a mentality. It was a movement. And people would tell me like, oh, you can't transcend. For me, it wasn't about hair. It was about people. And so now um, I'm able to still use that logo. Now that logo is on the podcast. But again, heart set, uh, mindset, skill set in line irresistible vibe. I shifted from providing hair services to providing speaking services and a podcast and the vibe room, which is a live version of the podcast. But people are still consuming. Why? Because the vibe. Mm -hmm. How amazing that it all connected. (laughs) Like you, it, it just blended into the next thing and the next thing. And now it's all just one. Well, and you, you got, I think you just have to be okay. Like I think you learn from Apple, just iterations, Yeah. you know, just try it out. If it sucks, write yeah. it down and don't do it again. Right. If it works, write it down, do it again, but don't get married to it because yeah. sometimes people get so married to their processes and procedures and they love them so much and they manage people. But if you love people and simply manage the systems because 95% of Failures is systems, not people. Yeah, that's good. You mentioned the podcast, uh, and and recently you made a post, and I'm gonna—I forgot to tell you about this in the beginning. <laughs> I got banned because of what I said, but it was. Okay. You got banned? Yeah, for like three days. So you made a post, and you said, "Ladies, I need uh, the stats, whatever. I need more ladies to listen to the show." And so then I go into your comments, and I say something like, "Oh, I got you," and I'm I'm already thinking I want to I would. You know, I want to ask him to be on my podcast. So this yeah. is a perfect opportunity, right? Okay. So I'm going, yeah, I, I got you on that, Kelly. Okay, now let me slide into your DMs and butter you up. I got banned for saying butter you up. No way. <laughs> yes. Was this on YouTube? Instagram. Oh, my gosh. Listen, the things that I see on Instagram and I got banned for saying butter you up. Okay. So then I, and for the next three days, I think it was, I couldn't comment on anybody's. I was, I no. was not banned, but I was restricted, I guess, or, oh or I don't know what the term is. But, it, I mean, it was kind of funny. But, ladies, <laughs> we need you to, to head on over to the Kelly Cardenas. Is it called the Kelly Cardenas Podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Your guests are always Thank so you. – and you're so deep with your questions. I'm like, oh, Lord, God, I would, like, need to have the questions the night before, the week before to prepare myself. Well, the, with some deep well, the, the funny thing is, is I, I never send out any questions, and I won't allow them to send me any questions either um, because I want to have a true conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, um, they're, they're very authentic. <laughs> but I do. I, I want more women on the podcast because I've got a daughter, and I need, like, Barbara, I need people like you or yourself that, you know, are able to speak to, I mean, not that you're speaking directly to a 14-year-old, but that a 14-year-old sees women that, are incredible at what they do, who can be powerful, that 
don't have to become that one word that most women don't want to become powerful because they'll get called that. Right. And for that example, for there's so many examples for my son, but a lot of times as women, women need to see other women. Totally. You know, they need to see that. Although I think that men need to be inspired by women and women need to be inspired by men and, you know, cross it works both ways. all across the board. But I would love to have more women on the podcast because, you know, I just, I just think it adds an element. Plus on my YouTube right now, it's like 90% dudes and 10% ladies. Ladies, you got to represent. Yeah. You got to represent on Come the YouTube. On. Yeah. Let's go on the YouTube. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I, I totally <laughs> agree. And I think that you're so right about role models in general for boys and girls. But since it's your show and it's mostly male audience or both audience and No, actually guests. what's what's crazy is our just on YouTube. So our YouTube is pretty heavy on guys cuz uh, most women aren't on YouTube. Like that are a lot of times. Yeah. But what's amazing about it is our podcast is 50% women, 50% men. Oh. And then this is the crazy thing cuz everyone said you have to have a niche, you have to stick in the niche and whatever. Okay, whatever. Um we are from 17 to 65. We're 25 25 25 25 meaning that we're 25% from 17 to like 24. Age? Age, from 17 to 65. Wow. We hit every, I mean, when you talk about, like when they say, if you talk to everyone, you talk to no one. Uh, I don't believe that. Oh, I'm so glad, finally. Cause I'm, not that I'm resistant against a niche, but I'm like, I just, I just don't feel it. I don't, I don't know, it's, it doesn't seem like the only way to me. I mean, depending, like, again, like when we look at, you know, when we talk about the methods or whatever it is, but for me, um, you know, when people ask me that with the salon, now, if you're building a clientele and you want a specific, yeah, I, I understand no, it. it. But totally for me, people always ask me like, what do you love about the business? Like podcasting for me, people. Yeah. Right. And I didn't know that Joey was going to have a guy that was going to, so imagine if I had my niche and my niche wasn't Joey because I didn't connect with guys from Chicago with shorter hair and he wore his hair different than I would wear my yeah. hair. I, I just find, this is what my pop said, you never know where someone's from, you never know where they're going, you never know where you meet up with them again, so make a friend out of everyone. Yeah. And for me, with the podcast, I want to make a friend out of everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. I want everybody to listen. I do. That's just my own thing. I do too. And it's a, it is an amazing show. It's amazing because I, I learn from people. I, I can learn from anybody, whatever they're saying, whatever they're sharing, whatever their stories are, their backgrounds. It doesn't matter. I'm like, I will take certain things and, and gain new perspectives or get a new idea or just be inspired or touch. Like you had a friend on recently with um, a, a form of cancer. I think it was brain. Ryan. Yeah. And Powerful if you have, and and if they, if your listeners haven't heard that, you have to listen to it because it's not the normal. Um, oh, I overcame this thing, no. and you can too. He's in the midst of. His he's in the midst. I was just belly. with him today. It's oh, my men's group today. He was. He's in my men's group. He is. His MRI got uh, got delayed for a month, so he gets it right before Christmas. He's forty years old, a four year old and a six years old. He's got brain cancer. And now he's in a waiting pattern and he doesn't know how his Christmas is going to be. Like, and it's not to get, you know, make someone sad about it, but it's like the reality, the reality part of it, of it, you know? And it's interesting because, you know, then we had, um, I don't know if you got to listen to Larry Kasanoff. Larry Kasanoff was the, the book person. He was the producer of uh, True Lies, uh, Terminator 2, Platoon, Dirty Dancing, 
Um, I mean, amazing. Like he, he's sitting in the studio and he's talking about like how the theme song for Dirty Dancing, because he made it happen. Like he didn't sing it, but he he was a part of that, you know? And yeah. these are things that, that was a, my parents' song. You know, I had the time of my life. That was my parents, one of my parents' songs. And yeah. here I'm talking to the guy who helped to be able to make sure that they could hear it in the first place. So that, but I did it because I wanted my kids. Like I wanted my kids to see all these iconic people like yourself and see that they're just people. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, yes. That's what I, I didn't take a note of, but I always hear that. You want your kids to not idolize, what do you, how do you say it? Worship idols. Worship idols. Inspired by icons. See real people, hear real stories, and just see all the goodness mm -hmm. in the world through people, through different lens. Well, and if they can see a kid like my daughter, um, I don't know if you know the story, but uh, my daughter was a big Kids Bop fan. Mm. So my thought process is always, if my daughter like sees a kid or sees somebody, like this pop star, his name was Isaiah, he was with Kids Bop, and we went to the concerts, and she loved Isaiah, and she had posters of him and all this stuff. My mission at that time was to meet this little kid because I wanted her to see that he was a little kid. Mm -hmm. He's not some, yeah. don't worship him. So we were at the concert. I look over, a couple people walk in, and they walked in without kids. And I was like, they're either parents of someone on stage or this is the Honda Center, right, in uh, Anaheim. So full, almost packed, like sold out Honda Center. We're in like second row, and I look back and I see these six people walk in they don't have any kids well they start cheering every time people do solos but they cheer louder when this one kid who was my my daughter's favorite so i'm watching them the whole time and they keep reacting to this kid and i'm thinking that's that's his family so we get done with the concert and i'm like i can i have two choices you got a fork in the road and we always have forks in the road you could do the thing that makes you feel uncomfortable or you can stay comfortable and I was like, I'm going to go do the thing that makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to go walk over. And I, and I walked over and I grabbed a hold of this guy. His arm was like the size of my legs. And I said, uh, you're Isaiah's family, aren't you? And he was like, Harlan, Harlan. And he yells out Harlan and Harlan turns around. It's a big dude, big dude too. And he's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, hey, this guy over here says that his uh, daughter is a big fan of Isaiah. And he, Harlan comes kind of charging at me. And I was like, and he stops right in front. And he looks at me and he's like, any friend, any fan of Isaiah is a friend to me. Or any, any fan of my son is a friend to me. And I was like, Whew. I thought he was going to choke me out. <laughs> and then my daughter's sitting here and she's kind of wide-eyed. Plus she's like, you're embarrassing me, dad. And he's like, hey, uh, Isaiah is filming a documentary. Would it be okay if he FaceTimed your daughter because we wanted to film some of the fa his fans? And I was like, oh gosh, like, here's my number. And he gave me, I gave him my number and I said, text me right now. Cause I wanted to see him text me. So I, so he didn't shine me on. He texted me. And then I text him right back, like while I'm standing there and he calls me the next day or text me the next day. He's like, Hey, can we uh, do it on FaceTime? And I said, absolutely. So my daughter, I walk in the house and I'm on FaceTime with this kid, the pop star. And I was like, Hey baby, she's 11, 10 years old at the time. And I was like, hey, baby, someone's on uh, FaceTime for you. And I hand it to her, and it's her favorite pop star. And she about loses it. She ends up talking to him, whatever. Um, I get back on the phone with her, with the dad, and he's like, you need to meet his mom. She's amazing. Her name is Sylvia. I said, man, I'm going to force you guys to be my friend for the rest of your life. <laughs> so I end up talking with Sylvia. And then it goes back and forth, Instagram messages back and forth, like, hey, um, you know, what are you doing, whatever. And then Isaiah, probably four months later, 
to, uh, Instagram messaged me, hey, uh, Mr. Kelly, could you take care of my hair because I'm about to go on tour? And I said, of course. But I didn't think he was going to show up. He lives in L.A., all the stuff. And we made the appointment for 12 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, come walking down the uh, street right here. Him and his mom come walking up, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So my wife goes to pick up my kids, and they pick up at 1 o'clock. And I said, bring her back here. So my daughter gets off school. My wife doesn't tell her. She walks into the salon. Her favorite pop star is sitting in the chair. And then he says, do you guys want to go and get hamburgers and fries? So he goes and gets hamburgers and fries with my daughter. And now they're friends. Sylvia is a good friend of mine. And we've stayed in contact. And so that's the long version of I, and after I talked to her and she had a hamburger with him, she had fries with him. She hung out with this little kid, Isaiah. I said, do you know why? Uh, I said, do you know who Isaiah is? And she said, he's, he's, a, he's a kid who has a talent that is working his talent. That's it, Daddy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. The, kid, the kids need to know. I have to, I have to do that with my son, too. It's like, <laughs> we're, and that's how I see people because, you know, there's a lot of people who get starstruck or just really caught up oh, in, yeah. in idolizing these people. And we're all just people. We're all just people. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all God's children. Um, equally. Well, even with Maddox, I, I got the chance. Uh, there's a guy named Brad Johnson who won the Super Bowl for um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was a quarterback, and there's only 37 quarterbacks that has ever won the Super Bowl. Only 35 of them are still alive, and um, which is an amazing stat, right? And but Brad Johnson won it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I reached out to him on Instagram, and he hit me back, and I got to sit down with him, and he gave advice to my son, Maddox, who's a quarterback. In flag football, mind you, at fifth grade. But Brad Johnson, Super Bowl champion. Hey, Maddox, <laughs> just want to tell you this this advice for you as a quarterback. I'm like, that's amazing. Can you imagine? So that's the legacy that's happening, and they're going to have, I mean, right now they have 309 master classes from some of the top people in the world. Right. And that will be something that they'll have forever. And something I love that you do at the end of every mm -hmm. episode is ask your guests to speak to your children by name and just leave some sage advice, right? Yeah. I love that. And so do they listen to everyone? No, they've never listened to any of them. <laughs> and that's the same thing like with my wife. It's, it's funny because she, she, she's a supporter. She, I, I love her. She pumps me up. But I could tell you this. You could be a prophet in any other uh, town except your own. Your own? <laughs> I just and, read that yesterday. You know, and you, you'd be okay. You, you'd be all right. I mean, hopefully. Um, and I got, I've got caught up at times with the podcast. Like, oh, my gosh, how many listeners, how many whatever. But... I find that I do my best work when I'm playing to an audience of one and that's God and he put me in this place and I'm supposed to do this. And because I'm doing it, some people find out and some people won't, but that's okay. Yeah. You know? And when I step, when I'm in that place, I'm very peaceful when I'm in the other side of the stats and the things and the, all the stuff, when I'm looking for the door, Barbara, it never opens. But when I'm not looking for the door, all of them open. But the challenge that I have and that I'm dealing with and struggling with right now is when I don't focus on the doors and they all open, and then I walk through one of the opportunity doors, humanly, I instantly start to look for other doors. And then they shut. And then when I'm calm and peaceful and I'm sitting in exactly where God has me to be, then he opens all the doors and then he gets all the credit, and that's what he wants anyway. Yes. Well, that's a great reminder for me. I need to just <laughs> let it go, release, take it, God. I'm not I'm just. I'm just gonna keep walking. I'm just gonna keep going. Oh, this has been so amazing. Um, I have a few things that I ask at the yeah. end of every episode, so I'm gonna uh, ask you to bless me with three. Okay. 
Okay. Um, and I love that you you know the Bible pretty well. Uh, I mean, I read it a lot. I mean, I, I, I read, I try and read every morning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you probably, and you probably know more than you think. Uh, okay. So do you have a favorite verse or scripture? Uh, like two. I have two. Uh, Matthew 6, 33, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all else will be added on. And my pops would always ask me, did he say uh, all except your finances, all except your family? No, he said all. So leave it at all. Mm-hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his righteousness, his righteousness, and all else will be added on. And then Romans nine seventeen, which says that God put, for God put Pharaoh in this place that when uh, he spoke, then people had to listen. And when they listened, they'd hear God's voice and not his. I've never heard that one. And he he told me he gave me that verse in 1997 and told me that he had put me in a place that when I spoke, then people had to listen. But when they listened, they'd hear his voice and not mine. And if I ever got to the point where I thought that it was my voice that they listened to, then he would take all of the influence away. That is good. But it's tough, though, because a lot of times, you know, Barbara, you get the ego. Like, I don't know, you seem like a perfect person, but I'm not. So a lot of times I'm like, that was some good stuff that I said. You need to focus on me. And then God is like, snatches it. But I know. We got to take some credit, though. I mean, come on. Hey, he told me he'll take it away. So, I, But I, I do. I fail at this a lot. You know, I fail at it a ton. And, um, and then he snatches my tail. And then I realize that, hey, you know, I mean, I heard, you know, Pastor Miles McPherson? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I heard him say this one time. He was like, how many, uh, you know, he was, because he was you know, more in the evangelical side, and he mentioned something about, you know, do you believe in, in God or whatever? And there were some people that like, I'm questioning, like, I don't know. And he said, um, <laughs> he said, if you don't believe in God, completely okay. Go home tonight, sit in your room, and say, hey, God, all this money that I have to my name is mine. And you can't do anything with it. And there's no way that you could take it away, even if you tried. And then see. And even the people who didn't believe in God was like, I ain't even trying that one. Because <laughs> in the event that he's real, he's going to take my money. Right. And it was, it's just one of those things where, you know, again, I question. I, I question it all the time. But it's, you know, if we, <laughs> if we can um, be real with him, you know, be real with God, like, I'm struggling right now. Like, I'm struggling with this part. Like, help me, yeah. you know, as opposed to being like, oh, no, I just walk in faith all the time. I mean, yeah. I, I ain't walking in faith all the time. Right. You're trying to walk in faith all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not walking in oh. faith all the time. I know. The struggle is real, right? Okay. Favorite book for yourself or one that you like to share with people? Ooh. I know you're a big reader, aren't you? Yeah. Um, trying to distill it down. Um one that I just read was super pumped. Um, it was the uh, the um, the battle for Uber. It's a good oh. one. It's a really really cool Isn't one. There a documentary on that? Yeah, okay. yeah. It was a show. The show wasn't as good as the book, um, but it, I mean, it's one of those things. Um, Proverbs. Um, oh, just Proverbs. Proverbs, yeah. Proverbs. Oh, yeah. The book of Proverbs. If you read the corresponding proverb, corresponding day, it's I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Keeping Sharp, um, Sanjay Gupta. Keeping Sharp. It's about the brain. Mm. Yeah, brain health. And um, there's one that is uh, 
God is my CEO. I don't know the author of it. I about that one. It's a really good one. That's four, but one, two, three, four. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. For me, especially, I don't know about my listeners. I, I don't know how many people. Have you read there. Three Feet from Gold? I heard about. It's Greg Reed. Very. That's Greg. Yes, Greg. Yeah. I, somebody mentioned that book yeah. on a podcast. It's unbelievable. Like really, I mean, it's, he writes in a parable. I did not know he wrote that. Parable sense. He's the only guy who uh, had the permission to expand on, um, on Think and Grow Rich. And it's, it's unbelievable read and, and it'll, it adds a lot. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yes. For reminding me. Cause I, I remember writing it down and hearing somebody just like totally pump it up. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Who inspires you most? today it's a good one it's just different reasons so for joy my son Maddox for wisdom my wife um, practical application my brother um, not taking yourself too seriously, my daughter McKenna. Um, life, still same a pop. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, compassion be my mom um, business a woman named Julie Compton and her husband Eric Compton two of the most unsung entrepreneurs that you would ever meet um, you'll never hear them on podcasts you'll never hear them on social you never hear them anywhere um, but if you had the opportunity, which I have because they've been my partners for years, um, to be around them, there's nothing you couldn't accomplish in business with them. That's so amazing. I love when I ask that question and there's more than one person named because that's how it should be. There's so many people in our life that are around us that inspire us in so many different unique ways that only they can, right? And it's their gift. It's their gift to you yeah. for each of those people. I love that. Man, thank you. I know this is going to be golden <laughs> for the listeners. It, it has been for me anyway. So thank you. I appreciate you taking your time. And, and having me in your studio, this is the best. I even get a video out of this. Thank you. Just make sure you share my file with me. <laughs> <laughs> make sure I get my podcast. Of course. Of course. <laughs> All right, Kelly. Well, uh, we're friends. You're my mentor. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> you Thank were you. chosen. I you were divinely it. assigned. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate yeah. it. You're doing great work. I mean, you're doing really, really great work, and I want to encourage you on it. And I think that um, a thing that is very, it's it's free, but has the largest ROI in the world is just speaking life to people. Yeah. You know, and speaking life, you, when you speak life, it's got to be specific. You got to use their name. And because that lights people up and, and the way that you ask questions, the way that you honor people in their responses and your preparation um, is just, it, it, it really, really is a refreshing thing. And I, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It means a lot coming from you. Uh -huh. All right, Kelly, we'll see you soon. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.